Welcome to the Infertility Stress Podcast, where we talk about how to care for your mind and your nervous system during your fertility treatment process, so you can spend less time feeling overwhelmed and anxious and more time living your life. I'm Michelle Kapler, fertility acupuncturist, board-certified reproductive specialist, and mindset coach, and you've got episode 50. Hello, my dear. Thanks for hanging out with me today. How's your summer going so far? Up here in Canada, it finally feels like the warm weather's here to stay. For a few more weeks at least. (laughs) So that's what's going on here. We are on our 50th episode today. And I want to celebrate by doing one of those episodes where I zoom out and reflect on the past and tell you all about a few big picture themes that I've learned about humans during their fertility. But first, I want to remind you about the class I'm offering tomorrow. If you're listening to the podcast on the day it comes out, tomorrow would be July 14th, 2022 at 8 p.m. And this class is all about infertility burnout. In today's episode, I'll be talking about a number of trends that I've seen in my practice over the last few years. But here's an interesting one. Stress and anxiety are almost universally part of the infertility experience, especially for folks who are using assisted reproductive technology, or more commonly known as IVF. But what I've noticed in the past two plus years is that people seem to be reaching new levels of emotional and physical burnout during this process, which 100% makes sense given what's happening in the world, especially with the news from my neighbors to the South in relation to abortion laws and what this might mean for fertility medicine in particular. When most people think about burnout, they think about it in relation to their job or their career but it can happen in other areas of life as well, such as in relationships, with being a caregiver, or with chronic medical conditions. And I see it happen all the time in people going through the fertility treatment process. Burnout usually looks like lack of emotional resilience, their emotions react in over-exaggerated ways, or they feel no emotions, so they're numb. It might be exhaustion or lack of energy despite getting a good sleep or maybe even taking a vacation or a break. And maybe it's trouble making decisions, or it could just be a sense of dread about the fertility process or a particular part of the fertility process. And here's the good news. If this sounds like you, or you're worried about this being you in the future, you don't have to stop fertility treatments in order to heal or prevent infertility burnout. On July 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, I'm going to be offering a free online class called Unraveling Infertility Burnout. During this class, we will learn about what infertility burnout is, what causes it, some of the obvious and some of the not-so-obvious things, and what you can do to begin to heal it or prevent it from happening in the first place. To sign up for this, you're going to head to michellecapler.com forward slash burnout to save your spot today. Okay. So let's talk about what I've learned treating thousands of fertility patients as a fertility acupuncturist over the last 12 years. A lot of people ask me why I chose to focus my practice on fertility medicine. This is often when I meet them for the first time and we're getting to know each other. Sometimes it's in an acupuncture clinical setting or sometimes it's on a coaching consult. And it's an interesting question to ponder even after all these years. And my answer is this. Firstly, I just love talking about women's health. 
It's the subject in medicine that I find most interesting to study. And as a healthcare provider, there's this need and this requirement, but also this desire to be continually studying to make sure that we have the most up-to-date information and knowledge. And it's formally known as continuing education. And I love expanding my knowledge on women's hormones or physiology for a lot of reasons, but also because I get to know my own body a little more deeply every time I take a class or some kind of CEU. Conversely, if I think about other areas of focus in medicine, it just doesn't feel the same. There isn't the same spark to it. So when I think about treating back pain or tennis elbow, I kind of want to fall asleep a little bit, which means when someone calls me for those things, I happily refer them to one of my brilliant colleagues in the area for care. The second reason why I love practicing in this area of fertility and reproductive endocrinology is that when someone comes up against this kind of health challenge, it has the potential to make them question everything, to reevaluate what's meaningful to them, to work through a lot of their own thoughts about themselves and their relationships. And it's such an honor and privilege to be allowed to come on someone's journey with them in this way. And it's just not the same when you're treating frozen shoulder or headaches in most cases at least. Through this work in this particular area of practice, I've learned a lot about humans and about our societal conditioning and how patriarchy affects us as folks socialized as women and how this plays into our healthcare and how we advocate for ourselves. And today I want to share some of the themes that come up around this time and time again. The first thing I've learned after 10 plus years of practice is that It is a nearly universal theme that comes up with almost every patient that I meet is that people who are born with female anatomy and physiology and are socialized as women, we simply aren't taught about how our bodies work to the extent that would allow us to move through our lives in a fully empowered way. I spend a lot of time teaching my patients and clients about basic anatomy and physiology and hormone function. And I spend a lot of time correcting misinformation that's been taught by educators throughout their lives. An example of this is that people can get pregnant or this notion that people can get pregnant at any time during their cycle. And this is an outdated teaching that's rooted in religion that's used to support the idea of teaching abstinence. Folks are taught, just don't have sex or you will get pregnant. There's no education about how ovulation works. There's no education about how all of the hormones that come into play have intricate relationships to one another, and all of this plays into how conception works. There's no education about how, even if you get the timing exactly right, and the sperm and the egg are both healthy, that you still really only have about a 30% chance of conception each month. People are not taught in their youth about how to read the signs of their bodies to know when they are most fertile, or conversely, that they might see something that might require medical attention if there are signs that things aren't functioning optimally. And what this means is that people don't know how to spot the signs early that something isn't right and that might need attention, or that they simply spend their whole lives feeling terrified that they could get pregnant at any time when it just really isn't that simple or easy. That most of the time there has to be intention behind when to time intercourse in order to conceive. I've had so many conversations with people where at the end, usually after I explain the basics of how ovulations and hormones work and how all that plays into a given cycle, or even simply how to track a cycle or determine the beginning of a cycle, they'll say, I wish I 
had somebody to teach all of this to me when I was a teenager, I might have gone about things a little bit differently if that were the case. And what we are really taught, and this is really all that we are taught as women, is that if you have unprotected sex, you will get pregnant. And then there's also the part where you're taught, but don't get too old because then you won't be able to get pregnant. But there's so much nuance and there's so much just missing from that conversation. There's so much room for empowerment and understanding and deepening one's relationship to themselves. So that's the first thing that I've learned from working with so many people is that we just need to prioritize body literacy and, you know, teach our people that are born with female anatomy just more deeply about their bodies from a young age. The second thing I've learned is that there are a few thoughts that come up time and time again when people are experiencing infertility. And it's usually something along the lines of, there's something wrong with me and I'm broken. There's a huge spectrum of emotions that people experience when they're dealing with infertility. And where they land on that spectrum can change from moment to moment or over time or may depend on which part of the cycle that they're actually in. And when I witness the negative emotions that people feel around this, it is often attributed to the cost and the waiting and the uncertainty and the pain or the invasive nature of the treatments. And those things are obviously a contributor. But when people really ask themselves what's at the root of all of these emotions, it's almost always because they're thinking that they aren't good enough or they're broken or some version of I'm a bad partner or I'm an inadequate spouse. And it totally makes sense that somebody's brain would go there when experiencing infertility because when someone is socialized as a woman, they're taught over and over again, both explicitly and implicitly, that their worth as a human being is completely dependent on their youth, their sex appeal to the male gaze, and their ability to have children. And when we have this internalized conditioning that in order to be considered a worthy human woman, we need to be able to have babies. And that conception is just a quote unquote natural part of what your body's meant to do. And further to that, it's what your body is meant to do. It makes sense that when your body is experiencing disease or disorder or an anomaly in physiology, like a normal human body does sometimes, that you might make it mean that you are inherently broken. All of that totally makes sense to me. And here's the thing, bodies get sick bodies don't always work in a linear and predictable way. And sometimes bodies need medical care or treatment. And infertility is part of this. And it means nothing about somebody's inherent human worthiness or their moral value, period. The last thing that I've learned about treating thousands of people in my career for fertility challenges is that Many humans are deeply perfectionistic and put a whole lot of pressure on themselves to quote unquote, figure it out. And it totally makes sense that folks would think this way. There is this generally accepted narrative in the fertility wellness industry that if a person eats the quote unquote, right foods, takes the right supplements, does the right exercise, has a body at the right size, controls their stress in the right way, makes the right side of lifestyle choices, that they will get pregnant. And that's not even mentioning all of the quote unquote wrong things that they are not supposed to do. What I've noticed after treating so many people over the years, and of course there are always exceptions, but most people have this imaginary list in their head of things that they think they need to do perfectly in order to get pregnant. And it's different for everyone. 
For some, it's eating certain foods. For some, it's exercising in a certain way. For some, it's avoiding certain things like coffee or sugar or some other thing that they've just arbitrarily decided is important. And for some, it's not reaching a certain threshold of stress in their lives. And there are many other things that can appear on people's lists. And if their cycle does not result in a positive pregnancy test, they almost always assume that there is something on that list that they didn't execute correctly, and that's why they didn't get pregnant. And because of this, I spend a lot of time talking about how bodies just aren't like that. They break down, they get sick, they don't always behave in the way we want them to or on our timeline. And that actually has nothing to do with what we have done or what we have not done. If you're interested in hearing more about this concept, I go pretty deep about this in episode 43 called The Problem with the Infertility Wellness Industry, and I'll put it in the show notes so you can find it easily. So to close this out, those are a couple of things that I've learned in the last 12 plus years of practice as a reproductive acupuncturist, and I've obviously learned more things, but I wanted to highlight a few of the things that seem to come up almost every time I see a new patient or meet a new client. Infertility is hard, and it's messy, and it's so very human, and if any or all of these things sound familiar to you today, I want you to know that it's not just you. It's pretty much everybody that I see and encounter in clinic. But if you're hoping to take this work a little bit deeper, if you want some more individualized attention helping you sort through these things, you're going to want to get on my email list. I have some big announcements coming in the later weeks this month. And it's going to be all about a new way to work with me and also find community in this together. You're going to head to the show notes and click the button to sign up today for my email list. I'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, you've got this, my friend. <laughs>